Some stores are a little more dangerous than other stores for me. I don't know if that's true of you. How many of you, Costco is one of those dangerous stores? Yeah, Costco not so much for me, but Fry's, if you've ever been to Fry's, that is a deadly store. You walk through the store, and, and I, I have this radar for new gadgets. And they, they usually have them on the in display or whatever. And I can just walk through that. I'm like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Oh, this flies. Hey, this blows up. No, I don't know if they have things that blow up. But um, new things, I just have this radar for new things and new gadgets especially that it, it sucks me in. But yet technology is changing. New things are changing. I, I read a story this week that I love. It was a, a father who went to his son's house and his son's family and Father's in the other room, and he says, son, could, do you have a, a newspaper? And his son said, well, dad, we don't have newspapers anymore. We have iPads. And we read the paper on the iPad. And, and dad's like, well, I'm not quite sure what that is, but okay. And, and son gives him his iPad, and dad goes in the other room, and all of a sudden they hear, whack, and crash. And they, they run into the other room, and they find the iPad in, in a couple pieces on the ground. And the dad says, well, I don't know what it's like to read a paper on it, but the fly never knew what hit him. (laughs) For some of you that have never had newspapers, we used to roll them up and kill flies. (laughs) New things might be good, they might be bad, but, but things are changing and things are new. And this morning we want to talk about new things but something that's been new for a long time, hopefully in your life. For many of you who have been Christians a long time, you've had a new nature, you've been a new creation, a new creature for many years. But we want to explore what that means. We're coming to the end of our series on the attributes of God, and and today is our last day dealing with texts and studying it. Next week we'll have a reading service where we just read passages of Scripture on each attribute of God. I'm really looking forward to that. encourage you to come. But today as we end our teaching on the attributes of God, it's important to come back to what it means to be new. What it means to study the attributes of God. What God's desire is for that to do in our lives. See, there's two ways and and two parts to studying the attributes of God. One part we've spent most of our time in, and that's reading through all the scriptures and just blowing our minds with who God is, with how amazing He is, with how great He is. And we have studied one by one the attributes of God and looked at what God's Word says about it and been challenged at His infinity and been challenged at His eternality, at His omnipresence, omnipotence, and the greatness and the majesty of God Almighty. And that should leave us in awe. That should leave us amazed. But as we come to the end, we want to realize that that's not the entire picture. That's not the end of the picture. God doesn't want us to come to His nature and to His Word and only walk away with a head knowledge of of who He is, of what His nature is. As we come to God's Word, God always wants it to change us, to challenge us to encourage us to grow and to become more like Him. And so the second part of that that we want to briefly talk about this morning is God wants us to look at His nature and look at His attributes and be amazed at who He is, 
but then secondarily to be changed by who He is. To take on His nature upon ourselves, to be transformed into His likeness. Seeing His nature should result in reflecting His nature. Seeing His nature should result in reflecting His nature. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3.18. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 will be an anchor text this morning. We'll, We'll spend a lot of time there pulling apart different phrases, and then we'll jump to a lot of other texts as we go through it. But 2 Corinthians 3.18. Last week we talked about the glory of God and how all that we do is to be for the glory of God. That's an all-encompassing purpose in life. It covers everything. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 is, is a passage on the glory of God that helps us understand how that's being worked out in our lives. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul here, as he's writing 2 Corinthians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's referring back to that section in Exodus that we've talked about for many weeks of Moses coming to God on Mount Sinai, Moses being faced with the glory of God or being allowed to see a portion of the glory of God. And remember we talked about it, he came down to camp and his face glowed. And he was radiant because he had been with God. Because God's nature changed his nature. So he wore a veil. And in this passage, and just summarizing the verses that precede this one, Paul's argument is this. If that's what God's glory did to Moses, and Moses didn't even know God's plan in Jesus Christ, how much more will God's glory change us because of the power of Jesus Christ. That's summarizing about ten verses beforehand. Because he says, okay, Moses shone with this glory, and he was just receiving the law, which was just a representation, something that, that showed the need for Christ. How much more with who Christ is should we have glory and, and be revealing God's glory? And that's where he comes to this verse, and we all, talking to believers, talking to the church, With unveiled face. He's saying Moses had to veil his face, but we unveil our face so everyone can see what God is doing in our lives. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. So just a a summary statement for the whole morning. Really, there's one point this morning and and the, the seven items are just expanding that. We glorify God when our attitudes and actions are consistent With His glory. We glorify God when our attitudes and actions are consistent with His glory. Remember last week, His glory represents His entire nature. All of who He is and what He does. And so when our actions become consistent with that, when our actions imitate that, we bring Him glory. In fact, if we don't imitate Him, can we bring Him glory? No, we actually take away from His reputation glory, from His fame. Think in terms of family. Those of you with kids, do your kids reflect you at all? Yeah, whether, whether they should or not, we think that. And, and, you know, my kids do some crazy things. I'm like, oh no. That's Susie's child. 
And I'm joking about that, but what am I saying? I don't want him to defame my reputation. I, I, that, that must be, he must have learned that from, or she. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's usually the boys. We look out back yesterday and we have a bunch of people over for a birthday party and Mark has turned our patio roof into monkey bars. I didn't even know that was possible. And he's just going back and forth through the, the wood slats. It's, it's amazing, but our kids reflect us. And when they do things that we would consider consistent with our family values, what do we feel like? Pride. Pride. Oh, yeah. It's my boy. It's my girl. And when they do things that don't reflect our family values, it's my wife's kid. It's my husband's kid. Do you see how it works? That's what we're talking about this morning with God. We are His children. We are His adopted children. And so what we do, what we think, our nature reflects His nature. Or is to reflect His nature. And when we don't, we defame Him. And when we reflect Him well, we bring Him glory. So this morning we want to talk about passionately pursuing adopting the Father's nature. Making His nature our nature, which is what 2 Corinthians 3.18 and many other verses talk about. Because God is glorified as we take on His nature. So how do we do that? How do we move beyond just saying, yeah, we should do that, we're with you, Ron, preach it, to actually making changes in our lives which are very difficult to make when we're set in our ways? First point that we want to make is we need to study the source. Study the source. Make His nature your fervent goal and mandate. Study the source. Make His nature your fervent goal and mandate. And this morning is one of those mornings that I pray again that none of this is new, but we absolutely need to be reminded all the time of these principles. And so we need to make His nature our fervent goal and mandate. Look back at 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face... Beholding the glory of the Lord. When's the last time you beheld the glory of the Lord? When's the last time you looked at, I hope last Sunday and and this whole week as we've talked about it, we posted a lot of things about the glory of the Lord um, this week. But Paul here is saying it starts with beholding the glory of the Lord, with knowing Him, with understanding Him. See, it starts with the head and flows out through the actions and the attitudes. You can't separate the two. Knowledge is vital. Putting it into practice is vital. And Paul here is saying, behold the glory of the Lord. Know Him. So as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. We'll get to the rest in a few minutes. But into the same image. And and the first point here is saying that our goal, our standard, what we are to reflect is the image of God. Is His attributes. As we study the attributes of God, that's not simply a list that, that defines who God is. And yea, God, it's also an owner's manual for the Christian life. And it's God saying, this is my standard for you These are my instructions for how you are to live life. It's his nature that is the standard. I want to look up several other verses and 
Sometimes we don't look them all up and ask you to read them. This point is just too important, so we'll spend a little bit more time on it. Keep your finger in 2 Corinthians 3.18 and turn over to Colossians 3, verse 9. Colossians 3, verse 9. We'll read through 13. We studied Colossians this last year. So this is a familiar passage, but a powerful passage as we talk about the nature and the attributes of God. Colossians 3, verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self. We are new. It's a new nature. And then catch the next phrase. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after what? After the image of its creator. And so the passage in Colossians is saying, your new life is being renewed, it's being remade to imitate God's nature. He is not some far off distant God. He is discipling us by who he is. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. And he goes on with a list of ways that, that we show God's attributes in our relationships to each other. And so we're being renewed in the knowledge of the image of the Creator. And then in verse 12, we're to act on that and put on then these qualities. The vertical defines the horizontal. How we get along with each other. Turn over to Ephesians 5, one. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Short little verse but we'll be trying to put it into practice the rest of our lives. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Therefore, be imitators of God. He is our goal. He is our standard. His nature is our mandate. Matthew 5, 48. I'll read this one to you. Jesus says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. How's that going? What did you learn this morning? I'm supposed to be perfect. Well, that's the standard. That's the goal. Do we want a God that says, you know what, it's okay to blow it every now and then? My nature, you know, I blow it every now and then, so it's okay for you to know that would, that would completely defame him and deny who he is. Be perfect as I am perfect. That is the goal. Flip over to Ephesians 4.22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And then verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It's another verse that says the same thing, but I'm hoping that as we read verse after verse after verse, God wants us to be like him. Not that we will be God, but to take on His nature. If we're to change, if we're to be men and women that are godly, that are truly understanding who God is, we will be learning His nature, His attributes, and taking those upon ourselves. 
And so what we have to do, this takes time, this takes a little bit of energy. I would encourage you to, to not just leave this series behind as, as we leave it in a couple weeks and say, yeah, we did a great series on the attributes of God and, and, and then forget about it. Put it on your shelf. I got those notes for when I need them. No, if we're to make God's nature our goal, we need to keep it in front of our face. We need to keep it top of mind. And so I encourage you to constantly be coming back to the attributes of God. Next week, we'll be handing out a a set of verses and definitions for every attribute we've covered. And I would encourage you to take that list and read through it at least once a week. Read through it at least once a week. In fact, on the back of your notes today, the, the back side, we put the God's attributes of His goodness or His communicable attributes. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But, but these are the attributes that, of God's nature that we can take on ourselves. Oh, we'll talk about it now. <laughs> Certain aspects of God's nature we can't take on ourselves, right? I am never going to be omnipresent. It'd be nice. But I am never going to be omnipresent. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be omnipotent. I am not going to, to have infinitude where I am completely limitless in all that I do. I am not going to be incomprehensible. Those are attributes of God's greatness. Those are not the attributes that He is passing on to us. So we would call those the in, incommunicable attributes. The attributes that cannot be passed on. Communicable attributes, which is a word that we don't use every day, I don't think, in your homes, that means attributes that can be transferred or that can be passed on. Those are the parts of God's nature that we are to imitate. We don't imitate the authority of God or the the greatness of God. We imitate His moral attributes, the attributes of His goodness. And so on the back side of your notes, I have a list of those there. And, and I just put one verse, if there was a verse that talked about God's possession of that attribute and his instruction to us, then we just put one verse. It, sometimes that's two verses. But in each case, you will see a, a verse that shows how God contains this attribute, but how his instruction, his command, is for us to imitate that attribute. Just in case you think I'm making it up on these attributes. Every one of those attributes has a command in Scripture that says we're to imitate it. We're to imitate it. And so, that's a list that should be top of mind. I would love to see us as a congregation do something that, that may be a, a little bit difficult. Although as I say it, it doesn't sound that difficult. Could we commit to that page, that page alone, reading that every day this week? Just read through it. And see what God does as we behold His glory to see what He does in our lives. See what comes to mind during the week. I talked with a number of you this week that said, I can't believe how many times God's Word uses His glory and talks about His glory. Now, His Word hasn't changed since last week's sermon. What's different? We talked about it. It's top of mind, right? So as you read it, all of a sudden we see His glory everywhere. And, and as I was reading it, I'm like, wow, there's so many other places I could have gone last Sunday. That's what will happen as you read this list. You'll see God's glory everywhere as you read His Word. It needs to be top of mind. 
to become like God in His nature, we must be in His Word. You will never grow spiritually and you will never deepen your imitation of His nature if you are not in His Word. Maybe for a time. And there's other great resources, and I'm not minimizing those resources, but those are in addition to God's Word, never to replace God's Word. So I challenge us to be people of the Word. As we look at God's attributes, we've seen verse after verse that says we're to take on His nature. I I want to, to caution us not to make that page on the backside a list that we check off of things we have to do. In one sense, it's a list, and, and I hesitated to even put it there, but I think it's helpful to see God's attributes. But when it becomes just a list of things we have to do, then we, we are dangerously close to moralism. And moralism says, I, I am going to do what I know I'm supposed to do without really any reason for doing it. I'm to be good. I'm to be loving. I'm to be kind. I'm to be gracious. And those are great things to do, but if that is the limit of why we do things, that will fail. It'll work for a short time, but it doesn't have any foundation, and that's something we call moralism. But we want to move past moralism and say the reason we do these things, the reason our nature changes, is because these are the nature of God, and Jesus Christ died on the cross to make us His children and to give us His nature. And so as I behold Him, I change. That's basing it on the Gospel. That's basing it on the work of Christ. Not on just my own efforts that I'm going to be really good this week. And so that's just a a side caution. As you look at the list, use it to get to know God better. Not just as a checklist of random things we're supposed to do. One author said, you can't guilt yourself into spiritual growth. And I absolutely agree with that. Growth comes as we study who God is. As we're discipled by His nature. Along with that, I encourage you to think about who is copying you. Who is imitating you? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's someone you're discipling. But as you imitate Christ, then they will see Christ through you. And they will know how to take on his nature. So the first point, we want to study the source. Make his nature your fervent goal and mandate. Second point, be determined. Let nothing stop you. Really, this comes to the question of how important is becoming Christ-like to you? How important is the nature of God? And I would challenge you that we should be doggedly persistent on this. We should be determined. In 2 Peter chapter 1, we have another passage that talks about taking on His nature. And I'll read this to you. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And the word partakers there comes from koinonia, which is partners. That we share in the divine nature. 
Not that we are divine, but we are imitating who God is, which is why it's so important to study His attributes. Verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. It doesn't say casually try. Hope to supplement your faith with virtue. Make every effort. And the picture here is just dogged determination. One, one time a couple months ago I got home and I go out back and we have a treehouse out back and I look up and there's my, my, my kids up there, my sons, they, they like the treehouse and half their room. I'm not sure if they were moving in or moving out. I, I'm not sure. What, but it was all toys. No beds or anything. Just half their toys are up there and they're, they're just beaming. They're like, look, Dad, look what we did. And now, now, to get up in the treehouse, it's just a little flimsy rope ladder that I just pray I don't die on as I go up. I don't know how you carry up half your room. But they were determined. And they found a way. And they had a rope system that one would be on the ground and Mark enlisted his brother and sister to help and, and they, they were tying things up and lifting them up. They had this whole system worked out. And then I said, they all have to go back to your room tonight. And that was interesting. But, um, <laughs> but there, the determination was there. We are going to get this stuff up there. And, and I watched him, and I watched just how proud of himself he was, and I watched that nothing was going to stop him. And I think about, do we approach God's nature that same way? How important is becoming Christ-like to you? And that challenges me. Do I even think about that during the week? Am I willing to carve out time to be dedicated to that? Am I willing to make every effort? In Matthew 13, 45, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven and our participation in that kingdom as a field, a treasure hidden in a field. And he says, when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought the field. That's determination. That's giving everything up to be part of the kingdom of God. And I challenge you to make God's nature something we are determined to imitate. We're not always very good at this. How many times have you started a project? Maybe it's just me. Started a project and it's still sitting on the workbench. Waiting to be done. Maybe it got to a point where it's a little hard. Didn't know quite what to do. Life got busy. Start this project, but finish this project. Continue, rather, with this project. It'll be finished in glory. Be determined. Let nothing stop you. Number three, be willing to identify things from the old self and get rid of them. Be willing to identify things from the old self and get rid of them. In the Second Corinthians passage, our, our core passage this morning, Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. What does being transformed into something imply? Change, right? It implies we're leaving something else behind. It implies that something's got to go because there's something new that is happening here. And we know that from actually several of the scriptures we already read. We read Colossians 3. That was one of the the other key passages. And at the beginning of that passage about taking on the nature of God, it said, 
Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. In the Ephesians 4 passage, which talked about taking on the nature of God, it started by saying to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And so the third point is we have to be willing to identify things from the old self and get rid of them. We have to be open to some pain of some things being cut out of our lives if we're to give glory to God by becoming like Him. That can be hard. Sometimes it's a conscious choice. We just like our sin a little too much. Sin's comfortable sometimes. It's uncomfortable to face it. And I watch, and I watch how Satan works to keep, to, to, to to tempt us to keep one foot in the world with things that are, are fun and pleasing, so we think. And then to try to have one foot in the world and one foot in godliness. And these passages are saying you've got to cut out the foot that's in the world if you're going to be godly. You can't do this halfway. You know, as you look through that list on the back page, there are probably some things on that list that you resonate with. Some things on that list, they're like, yes, and it's part of your personality. Other things on that list, you're like, eh, not so much. And you've heard me talk about that. And, and, and we gravitate towards how we're made, to our personality, and we ignore the other things. But if we're to take on the nature of God, we're to take on the whole nature of God, and anything contrary to anything in His nature has to be cut out. Now sometimes, I, I think we, we can become so blind to things in our lives. It's the, it's the rule of seeing something three times. I don't know if you've noticed, even around here on campus or around your home, once you see something three times, what happens? We had a light burnt out in our bathroom. I remember the first time. I noticed it, tried to fix it, didn't quite work, knew we didn't have something quite the wattage, and so I left it. Second and third time, it bugged me. Fourth time on, what light? I can see fine. So we have people coming over yesterday, and Susie reminds me, there's a light burned out in the bathroom. There is? It's the law of three times that when we see something three times, we ignore it. It it no longer is something that's front of mind. The same thing happens with sin in our lives, with weaknesses in our lives. We, we get so used to it, it becomes part of who we are that it's easy to ignore. We can justify not being a loving person because I am to some people. We can justify not pursuing holiness because I do in other areas. And we can justify, and I can go on down the line, and we've got to be willing to identify the old man and get rid of it and cut it out. Sin is empty. Our old self has been defeated. It is done. The only reason that it's still there is we keep feeding it. And we keep allowing it to have power in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
Turn over to Romans 6. Romans 6, I think a key passage in understanding this. Romans 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So we see the new nature. But then in verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And Paul here is saying sin doesn't have to have power over you anymore. You are a child of the King and Jesus on the cross defeated sin and you died with Him. Sin doesn't have to control you. But we still fight it. And we still have this tension between our, our, our old man and our new man. I loved what one one speaker described it as. He said, it's sort of like having two dogs in your backyard. And and these two dogs are fighting. And which one wins? The one you feed. The one you feed. So which dog are we feeding? The one that says, I want to have a foot in the world? Or the one that says, I want to take on God's nature? See, that illustration isn't quite correct. Because the dogs aren't equal. One dog is a little chihuahua. Sorry for chihuahua fans. The other dog is God. Who wins? But yet we still struggle with sin. And we still let sin enslave us and control us. We need to, as we study the attributes of God look through His attributes and at the end of the day say, is there anything I did that was short of His glory? Is there anything I did that wasn't loving? That wasn't merciful? That wasn't compassionate? That wasn't just? And to get past the the three times rule, might have to have someone else help us see that. Ask someone close to you, So where in God's nature am I weak? What do I need to work on? And once you actually convince them that it's safe to tell you, and you're not going to shoot them, take their honest response and study that attribute of God and let His nature change you. Charles Spurgeon said, You will never glory in God till first of all God has killed your glorying in yourself. What influences do you have in your life? What influences need to change? In, in, in computer science, we had a saying, garbage in, garbage out. Students would come to me and say, I don't know what happened. My program doesn't do what I told it to do. No, no, your program always does what you told it to do. Garbage in, garbage out. Same is true of our Christian lives. What are we putting in, and are we serious about getting rid of the worldly influences? The other points are just much more practical, just ideas, practical suggestions to help you. Fourth, don't get discouraged at failure. Don't get discouraged at failure. Confess and keep growing. We aren't there yet. 
In, in the 2 Corinthians 3.18 passage, it says we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That means every day we're getting a little bit more Christ-like. Every day His glory is showing in us a little bit more. But we're not there today. Paul said, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Amen. And so it's easy to look at God's nature and say, I will never live up to that and stop trying. Or we can look at it and saying, and say, this is the goal. This is where God is taking me. This is what He's doing in my life. Number five, if you have an attribute you struggle with, if you look through the list of, of God's attributes and you say, man, I, I, I just, I'm not doing this one, memorize verses on it. Not only study who God is, but memorize verses on it. If, if you're struggling with anger, memorize verses on love. If you're struggling with, with hardness of heart, memorize verses on mercy and grace. If you're struggling with purity, memorize verses on holiness and righteousness. God's Word will not come back void. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So memorize verses you're struggling with. Again, next week, that'll be a great resource to have verses on every attribute of God. Trust His Word. Six, seek out godly support and ask for help. We talked about that a little bit already, but this is discipleship. Iron sharpening iron. It's so vital to be walking the Christian walk with a fellow believer. Some of our youth here, I can tell with amazing accuracy how your walk with God is going by who you're hanging out with. And I can tell how your walk is going to go by who you're hanging out with. It's that important to find like-minded people that are seeking God. It is better to have no friends than bad friends. I challenge you with that because Satan will try to use that to pull you away from the gospel. Go at this with others that are seeking God. Finally, number seven, pray and trust God to work. Pray and trust God to work. Back to the 2 Corinthians passage, 2 Corinthians 3.18. At the end of that, it says we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. He's the one that actually can change our hearts. He's the one that can change anyone's heart. And so come to Him and say, God, I, 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 I struggle with this area. Or I need to become more like You in this area. Make me like You. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And trust Him to do the work. As we spend time in prayer, it's really about conforming our will to God's will. It's not about telling God what to do, but God telling us what He wants to do in our lives. So our challenge is that we glorify God by taking on His nature. By getting rid of anything from the old man that would defame Him, that would de defy Him, 
and take on his nature in some incredible ways. Again, nothing new, nothing profound. But don't we need to be reminded of that constantly? Read through that list this week. Every day. See what God reveals. See how he begins to use who he is to transform you into his likeness. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, I pray that we would bring you glory in all we do. Last week we saw the importance of it. This week, Lord, I pray we see just some practical things we can do to start to be like you in our lives. Reveal to us areas that we need to grow in. And then, Lord, help us to allow you to do the work. Allow you to change us. That in ever-increasing glory, we would be more like you tomorrow than we are today. And we'd be more like you Tuesday than we were Monday. And Lord, even if that hurts, change us, refine us, sanctify us, God. In Jesus' name.